Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. The train's Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Employee of the Month with Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. I'm excited to bring you this episode. That's my dog, Lady. Lady is not excited about the episode because she wants to eat. But before you can eat, Lady, I gotta tell everyone what's going on. This episode was taped live at the Writers Guild. I interviewed Katina Correo, and she's one of my favorites. She's a very funny comedian. You've probably seen her on Broad City um, to Best Night Ever and uh, Morning Buzz Live. These are, you know, a big Morning Buzz Live, excuse me. These are VH1 shows. And she's just a tremendous comic, and she has her debut album. It's already in the top three of comedy albums, so um, check it out. It's called Hot Date. And I hope you really enjoy our interview. She's one of the first stand-ups I ever uh, performed with and remains, um, has a special place in my heart always. All right, here's our interview. Lady, you're getting your food. Okay, I know you guys can hear everything, but it's just so Katina and I can talk at the same time. I mean, are you sure you can hear my voice? I just want to make sure you can hear my voice. <laughs> okay, so Katina and I met at the State of New York contest and I, I won a trip to San Francisco with a f- tasting meal and a hotel stay. You won a spa thing, I thought. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, and, and it was it was one of, I mean, I'll tell you, it was really great. Now, it's certainly, it was shut down when I got there. But they did give me the gift certificate. Um, and <laughs> Wait, Katina, are you kidding? No. When I went to go collect my prize, I have an email that says, I'm sorry if the word trip was ambiguous. They weren't going to pay for my flight. Oh, my God. Which means that, like, if I walked to San Francisco from New York, like, anyone would give me snacks. <laughs> so I never got it. And then I'll, every year I, I write to the, it's the New York resident. That was the. Is that what that it was? was the yeah. <laughs> every year I would, like, write to them and be like, hey, I'd like to go to San Francisco. I'll just take the hotel and the tasting meal. And they're like, uh, they don't write back now. It's yeah, it is. So it is so funny. Like I think it was. It was like you want a spa day, and it was like you know I could get my pinky nail like painted at <laughs> Gwen's nail shop that like closed down. I was like, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Finally, I was so excited. Comedy's paying me. <laughs> and the, the booker told me I was sexy, uh, uh, sexy Tina Fey, and and that I could that was going to be my home club. And I came back like a week later. He had no idea who I was. Like, not even like, not any idea. Like, are you dropping off flyers for uh, oh nail salon? God. Probably. No. Well, actually, that is the funniest thing. That's so funny to hear that because I'm not sure if comedians now understand what a lot of us. I mean, I'm talking like I'm 80 years old. I'm like in my day. No, I know. Meanwhile, no, no. But that's right. No, no. But they don't know, especially with the alt scene. Oh yeah. Right, and it's and like this, this was this was in the two thousands, guys. This was in the two thousands. Right. this wasn't the eighties. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, eighteen eighties. <laughs> right. I mean, I I there was a club, and I had to bring twenty five people in scary. order to get three and a half minutes, and it's like a seventeen dollar cover with two drinks. So like, you have to have friends. I had a bus. You know, my of my family from Philadelphia, everybody and, came. And everyone did this, meaning Amy Schumer did this, meaning Aziz Ansari did this. Like, I, I really want to, like, right. and Dimitri Martin. Like, oh, sure. They were all, yeah. the, these were bringer shows. And they, right. they tell you, you have to bring a lot of friends. And in your head, at least for me, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll tell friends. 
like not understanding that like the club is making a couple hundred dollars and then they'll give you three minutes of stage time or five minutes or seven right. minutes as a start. But this is how, how sort of like rose-colored glasses I was. <laughs> I, I'm, being, I'm being soft when I say that. But after that happened, I remember this one particular night, it was like, I think I brought 50 people because it's like I wanted to make sure that the 25, all these people. And then afterwards, I remember the, the bookers were like, oh, you are so good. We want you to come back. And I was like, oh, my God, they think I'm amazing. And then they're like, and bring 25 more people. <laughs> and, like, it wasn't until probably five years later, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> they only said that because. Well, and and the, the irony, though, is, like, you have, you get all of these credits. You get uh, Caroline's Gotham. Right. You know, the Comedy Cellar. Every single club did this. Every single oh, club. Oh, right. And it's like I have literally probably at that time eight minutes of stand-up total. Yes. And it's like I'm telling people I'm performing at all these, like, great clubs. They're yes. like, wow. Well, in your head, you are. Yeah, and, and in, in your reality, head, you are. you are getting on that stage and you think you're doing it. Totally. It's like being it's like being um, in a cafe scene in Modern Family sneezing in the background and being like, yeah, I'm on that show. Completely. <laughs> I mean, to the T. Yeah. I would think so every time I'd be offered something that it was going to happen. All the time. All the time. And, and you know, there, there. I did everything when I started. Like I didn't yeah. start as a stand-up. I started How did you start? as in, in in improv and improv groups, and and I always had like great groups of people that I worked with. And then I just eventually did stand-up, but I did what, a so lot of acting, uh, musicals. Was this in high school? In high school, I did. Um, well, this is. I tell the story all the time. I always actually wanted to be an athlete. But the problem was I kept getting cut from everything. Um, I was cut from the tennis team, the field hockey team, the lacrosse team, the softball as the baseball manager. So there was nothing left to do in sports. <laughs> and every time I got cut, it was like they, like I remember the coach would say, all right, guys, great practice. Uh, Katina, you might want to stick around. And they go, I guess you know what I'm going to say. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you're cut. <laughs> So there was nothing left to do in high school. I auditioned for the play, and I—I um, I don't know if I'm allowed to brag on this show, but um, I was Dolly Levi in Hello Dolly, wow. and being on that stage um, talking about being a matchmaker made me really want to be. No, I mean I'm laughing at it, but it literally was like, oh my god, I want to be doing this for the rest of my life. It was—it was just a gift, and. And it was a gift. It was one of those like cheesy things that out of the stress of trying to get in on a sports team, it was like this is where you're supposed to be. And it's it was also awesome. so uh, lucky and rare. Rare meaning that very few people, I think that we don't always realize that, very few people actually know what they want. Like right. the hardest, the easiest question to ask is what do you want and the hardest question to answer. Yes, yes, you're right. And so to have it at least in one area of your life, like work out, like when you can figure out what shampoo you actually want, get right. it. Just get that shampoo. Right. When it's a major thing, like oh my god, I belong on stage. It's it's a gift and it's lucky. It it, it I thank you and I agree. I, I feel like for all of us in this, you have to want it because once you do make that decision and you do, and I I had a theater director in college who was also like, the sky's the limit. My parents have always been like, the sky's the limit. Like. 
like it was always very it wasn't until my first day in New York that people were like what are you doing here you know it wasn't until you go to an audition that you figure oh do I really want this no but but what's great about that is yes you do know what you want everybody in this business has to want it more than anything because of the it, and my my feeling is because of the enormous amount of rejection. Constant rejection. If you're not working, you are not being rejected. Meaning that 99% of the things you try out for, whether you're Katina Correa and frankly even like Halle Berry is getting rejected from things that she wants. You know? Right. I mean, it really is true across the, yes. the thing. So you have to be available for it. My question to you is because I grew up sort of with an inverse kind of family where it was like you'll never succeed at anything was like my... <laughs> um, fam- like when I got into college they were like thank God. <laughs> like it was just like utter relief but but having that that buoy of having this loving and supportive family how does that help well that's a great question I you know it I just never looked back it was like you know I it's not every day that after college you say okay instead of getting a job job with benefits and a 401k which by the way I applied for a job once where it said 401k and I thought that was the salary (laughs) but not to mention that um, I was like sign me up this sounds great Um, I just never looked back and I and I felt like they literally propelled me to a certain point and it just made me want to see I had the freedom to seek out and and to completely explore on my own and just feel really good about it and they helped me celebrate even the small things you know even a children's theater tour that I did that was like a we literally had to pack the stage at the end of the night and we we were our own stage managers and my parents celebrated that. They were like, you're on your way and just keep making little strides. Put one foot in front of another and just keep going. So I felt like they really s- supported me and still do in that in that direction, in, in the right direction, which I, was great. I love hearing that because I feel like there's so many ways I get in my own way. And I know that we all do. Everyone has their, their you know, if you're lucky enough to live in a country and an era in which you are allowed to say to yourself, what would I like to do? Um, it's a privilege. That said, I look at the ways, like, so I, I'm, like, putting this on, like, you know, show people problems or whatever. You right, know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. Lucky people problems. But but in all seriousness, there are these ways that I feel like, how am I self-sabotaging and how is it that um, it's just challenging? You know, th- that's always the, the divide. And I was curious if there are, so I can see how having, like, the support and love of a family really buoys you from some of the things that I might do to myself, which is like, I guess I'm not good enough. I guess that's why. But I was curious if there are things that you've recognized in yourself because to anyone else who sees you, Katina, they're like, oh, my God, you're opening for Jenny um, McCarthy's TV show. Being a warm-up comic is, like, such a great job. You've written for television shows. I mean, you know, and you're on air all the time. So on the outside, I'd be like, you're doing spectacular. They, and you know what? It's just, it, I guess a lot of it is luck. Just kidding. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, everything comes so easy. It really does. And no. it happens all for a reason. No, it really does. It but does. I laugh because there were so many years of, and I say I save this now because they're very special to me. My dad passed away two years ago, and I just came across um, these emails and voice messages that I saved from my dad that were like, 
hey, Katina just transferred money into, you know, like, hi, Katina just transferred. Like, it was, there were times when I literally had to depend on them. And, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I'm not, like, coming from a Trump family. We're just normal people, you know what I mean? So it's not like I'm like, I don't have to worry about my rent. You still have to worry about that. But they were definitely there to help me. I have to admit that. They, they were months where, where when I couldn't do that. There were also times when I thought to myself, God, I wish they, I wish they wouldn't have supported me so much. It would be so nice if it was like, no, just become just become a lawyer, then I would know where to go. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that because the structure of becoming a lawyer, but I also feel like there's a, a trope that I'll hear in very successful people's stories sometimes where they're like, I miss those simple days when like, you know, we had to fend for ourselves and they, they act as if it was so easy. And I'm like, clearly you don't remember those days right. as well as you should because like right. life is incredibly expensive and um, I don't mean like getting, I can't afford to get a massage. I mean like, getting basic health care. So, like, the idea that, like, oh, it was so much simpler than when I didn't, you know, and I'm just, like, don't idealize how hard it is to, oh, like, right. figure this out. Because it's going to continue, I would imagine, throughout the rest of all of our careers. Like, yeah. one minute, you're like, oh, this, thank God I'm starting getting paid for things. This is so great. And then the next month, you're like, God, I hope I get a job. Oh, great, I booked this thing next month. Oh, I hope. It's a constant. You have to know how to deal with it because it's constant. It's not just like I hit the jackpot and never have to worry about money for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, I feel like you have, even people who are, who've had television shows Oh, no, no, go that's that. totally, that's why I was like, I was, how I said mm -hmm. I was talking to Amaya Rudolph yesterday, like, same thing. Right. She struggles, too, because the business now, the business model now is like, what can we not pay the people who actually like bring in the audience? Like I, I feel like content is what they love to call it, right. and yet it's like so undervalued. It's it's simultaneously so covered, coveted, and so undervalued. Right. Um, so all right, we've talked about all the the yuck yucks, yuck yucks, yuck yucks of uh, being in the field, which is uh, financially it is terrifying. Um, and there's so much more luck involved than people sometimes realize. And if to the extent that you can get out of your own way, please do. Um, so let's talk about some some more exciting things t to me, which is I, I would love to hear about what was it like um, when you were writing trivia questions and things like this. Oh, because um, you got a very coveted job. I remember uh, applying for it, and I did not get it, um, which, because I did I should not have gotten it. But I but I do want to hear about what it was like writing for. Writing for the Newlywed Game yeah. literally was just something that I never even dreamed of, question game show writing in general. But I'll never forget um, this one. I had such an amazing group of people. Um, by the way, I say the word amazing <laughs> nine times, so you're going to hear that a lot. That Can we make it a drinking 16. game? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Can we make amazing a drinking game? Every it's amazing. <laughs> But um, speaking of which, you should come see Katina and I. Yes, <laughs> you, can, you can go on YouTube and watch uh, how much we say amazing. Yeah, it's like I find myself saying that. Um, and there were four writers, four writers. Then we had Sean Crespo, my dear friend, who was the comedy producer, um, who's just great in that. And um, and then we had just a great staff, a great executive producer, but. The one thing that I remember from that so much is 
a lot of the people who I've worked who I was working with had written for other shows who wants to be a millionaire they wrote for a lot of different TV shows this was my first question writing game show so we write the questions we submit them and then if they get chosen they get put on the air and we had the feed coming in from the very first show and we're listening and and all of a sudden Sherry Shepard who is the host said a question that I wrote and I was like and I remember I got up from my desk and I was like, oh my God, that was my question. And the three other writers look at me and they're like, you know, that's going to happen. <laughs> like, that's the point. I was like, I know, but I just feel so proud. And so I really let my, uh, my childness show. I was like, oh my God, that was my question. So that was really exciting. But you know, I, I felt like that was, that was really my speed. Like, I love doing that. I love writing those questions. Well, I have to say, one of the things I've always noticed with you, and if you guys go to katinacorreo.com's website, you can also see, like, you have a really good sense of who you are on stage as a performer. Oh, thank and you. it makes sense as a writer, too. Like, to be honest, like, I, I can barely, I'm, I can't wait till I am a newly at web so someone can write questions for me. But you understood that that was a good show for you to write for. Right. It was, it was really, I mean, you know, you're, you, that's great. That's awesome to hear because you're right. It's like, was I, was I doing something so, you know, beyond? No, it's like you're just trying to relate to people. And, and I think that's so much of what being a comedian is. You're just trying to form a relationship with your audience. You're just, I, I, I've always loved the fact that on stage and a little bit in person too, because your on stage persona is just you exaggerated at least in my case, it's just me exaggerated, but you're making this connection. I like that mine's diminished and you're exaggerated. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like, it's I so, am so cool. I so less neurotic to... <laughs> on stage. Right. I feel like it's just so cool to express your insecurities about everything. And that's why the newlywed was great because it was like dating and everything. And when the audience reacts and they laugh or they, they have a feeling about it, you know they're thinking the same thing. And that's the most beautiful thing to me, just to make that connection with people and to say, I know we're not supposed to talk about incessant snacking and hiding pretzels in our bag or whatever weird yeah, things I that we do. Yeah, I hide it in the You know, and when somebody laughs at that, it's like they get it. We're imperfect creatures. Like let's fate. Let's just we're imperfect, and like it's okay to be that way. What I also like about that, though, because there's this fine line. Like a lot of times, I'll hear either male comedians uh, or or male musicians say, "Oh, you know, I did it for the girls." You'll hear that a lot. Like I, I wanted to get hot chicks, and I'm like, there are easier ways to get in bed with a woman. And <laughs> the same thing that people will say, "Oh, comedians are just screwed up, and they're just sharing their emotional issues, and they should just be in therapy." It's an art form because all of these comedians, or not all of them, but I'd say a, a good portion of them, have siblings who are not funny. So, right, right. So there is this balance between both being accessible and relatable, and willing to be vulnerable but also a craft and a talent and there are funnier people who are off stage I get that I really do believe that there's many people who are not successful comedians who are hilarious but the particular craft of what you do Katina is that you take these accessible things and how you said you exaggerate it but it's the way that you do it 
Well, you know, that's that's something that is like a little bit of a trigger for me when people say that about comedians. They say like, oh, comedians, you know, they're crazy and they have this and they have that. And I look at it, and maybe because I'm a comedian, is like, no, I think we're incredibly brave. And I mean that sincerely. It's like, you're right, there are people who are funny who aren't comedians, but the comedians are the ones who get up on stage, talk about it, and if they're crazy, well then so is everybody else because nobody would be laughing if they didn't agree with them. Totally. It's like they're just calling it out. That's a really brave thing to do, to get up on stage and to, and to express your point of view, have people agree with you, hopefully. Some people don't, but it's like that's, that's the bravest thing in the world. Now, one of the things I love also... What I do is brave, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I know that must come across very weird, but I do. I feel like it's kind of a brave thing, what we do. And I want to um, talk to you about one other thing that you do that I just love, which is your characters. Mm-hmm. And I love one of your shows about being a neighbor, and I wanted to know what inspired you to do this um, series where you were like... I, you don't have to live in New York. You don't have to live in New York to love this neighbor. <laughs> because this neighbor exists in the suburbs. This neighbor exists everywhere. You may be related to this neighbor. Yeah. What inspired you to do your series? The, that is so funny. The, the Good Neighbor Minute, it's, it's literally about my desire to be a nosy neighbor. Because I do think that I love nosy neighbors and I fear them. Like, I want to be a nosy neighbor. I'm always with my head out the window. What is she doing? How, who's dating? Oh my God, their window's shut. They have new curtains. Like, I, I'm neighborhood watch. But at the same time, there's nothing worse than sitting on your couch and having your doorbell ring. Like, someone popping in. It's Four like, five. are you out of your mind? What do you mean you're popping in? And my mom would tell me stories of on Sundays, they would, they would. <laughs> People would just come, you know, from, they would drive in, you know, pop in. They would have dinner. It was a very open-door policy. Oh, you want to have friends in? Pop in on Sunday. Don't pop in on me on a Sunday. (laughs) If I'm sitting and I hear that doorbell ring, I'm like, go away. (laughs) So it's that fear of, like, that person not leaving. You know, that person who's who wants to, like, get into your apartment and just talk, and you're just like, I need to watch Real Housewives. Like, please leave me alone, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that came out of a little bit of fear for those type of people. But, yeah, we all know those type of people. It just, you know, they're going to sit, and you're going to have coffee, and six hours later they're still there, and, you, you know, you just can't get rid of them. I have that right now, like, both with a neighbor and I am that neighbor. So I like, I love that because, like, in my head, I'm like, why am I talking to this person? I just need to get out the door. Right, right. And then I've also just had the crazy, I remember one time my neighbor was asking me about why I didn't have children. And it's like, all I was about to do was, like, get my dog to go to the bathroom. And it is so awkward. Right. Because people say things that they just shouldn't be, like, Look, and I've done it. I told a woman in line. I was like, oh, congratulations. She's like, I forgot my Spanx. And, like, I'm behind her in a line for a wedding buffet. It's going to be a long line. Right. But, like, <laughs> you know, so I don't, I don't, I'm not pointing fingers at someone who, like, never screws up. But right. Like, but it is so, so poignant because on one end, you need those people. Like, I saw a guy die in, in my building once. Like, he just, like, on flames in the middle of the hallway. And Oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was in, in the city. like, And this woman um, tried to help him. And luckily, she knew the fire department because she used to work at a fire department. She called. But, it, no, it's so important. I mean, particularly when you li- I live alone. Like, it's scary sometimes, you know? But on the same token, 
most of the time it's fine and you just need peace and quiet also because I like work from home <laughs> right 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 and you're like okay I don't I don't want to be that close I, don't, I know it's not like it's right. a fine line no it is a fine like line and my, my, my mom is and work the type of person too who who will she's so loving and helpful to other people and she'll always say stop in anytime Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, stop it. I'm like, one of these days, nine people are just going to come through the Show door. And like, but, but she's the type, if she knows somebody in the neighborhood isn't, you know, maybe by themselves or whatever, she'll go over and bring them dinner. Oh, it's a shame, you know, that person's by themselves. And it's like, she comes from such a good place. And it's like, I want to be like that. But then at the same time, it's like, do I really need to, like, do that? Like, you know what I mean? How close do you want to be? Especially in New York, you know, it's looks a little different <laughs> so I I'm also excited so you do these very funny uh, you do these many 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 web series but that one in particular I was a, a huge fan of um, but I also wanted to ask you about theater you started to be breaking into theater as well yes and I, you know um, I've always loved performing live on stage like in 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 that I said I was telling you I started with children's theater and I love stand-up because it is like your own little one-person show, but there is something so fantastic and great about collaborating with people on stage and, and really collaborating with them. And um, Shanali Bomek, who is an incredible comedian, dear friend, Jesus. she's a superwoman. <laughs> she's, like, she's a lawyer in addition to being like an amazing punk rock musician. And then also does all these comedy and theater shows. Like, well, the I, first I actually, thing, yes. Like, her head, like, I, I just want to, like, peer in as if it's, like, a museum. She's she's truly one of a kind. She, um, yeah, when she told me that she, you know, she's like, oh, I'm in a band. And I was like, oh, that is adorable. And then I went to see Tigers and Monkeys, her band, and I was blown away, just blown away at her talent. I mean, she's the true definition of a rock star. She's Amazing and, and she, yeah. She, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But, oh no! But she and Chelsea Peretti and Heather Lawless and um, I'm missing Andrea Rosen and Andrea Rosen. Yeah. Um, they were one of the first sort of comedy teams that I saw where the women all did a show together and they had a website together where they were like promoting each other and it was the best form of real feminism, which to me is like show don't tell. Exactly, Variety Shack. It was. I mean, I'm. If you don't know it, you have to. You're so right. It's it was just awesome. And, Instead of and being like, we're gonna do it, ladies. Like it was like, no, this is us. We're all funny and talented. Exactly. And they put it out there, and it was so great. But Chanelli actually wrote Bed Bugs and Hot Pockets, which was a short play, and um, I was in it with some other amazing, amazing, talented people. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it just got me going, and I was like, okay, yes, I, I need to do more of those. They're just, the audience is different every night. You're different every night. It's a different performance every night. It's, it's I really feel alive when I'm on stage, and I, I'm going to listen to this podcast and say, why would you choose that word, feeling alive? It sounds so ridiculous, but it's really how I feel. It's like, I love it. I love being on stage and, and, and working, connecting with people. Sometimes stand-up gets a little lonely. You love doing it. Super but lonely. Like, that's why I quit doing stand-up. I do storytelling, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I love hosting and interviewing people because it feels collaborative. And it's interesting, like, that you came from improv because I have this false dichotomy stereotype. Sorry, that was my agent. Um, <laughs> Katina's laughing and my, because And my so real estate agent, I think, is calling, too. Oh, it's like, leave me alone. <laughs> Enough with the rent. Yeah. Um, but but um, I 
this false dichotomy. I know it's not true across the board, but I think that um, stand-ups were not loved enough and improvisers were loved a little too much. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and I, I get that you are from an improv background, but really on the flip side of that kind of like snarky comment is that the the willingness to, to collaborate and the desire to do so and the understanding that you will fail unless you do so um, is a really beautiful quality. Yeah. Um, and so I can see why you came from an improv background initially. Yeah, I, um, uh, I, I loved it. Now, I, I laugh because, you know, I started out in short form where it was like, let me show you this rubber chicken. We're hilarious. You know what I mean? That's like kind of the world that I started in. And you know what? For what it was worth, people loved the show. Was that UCB and it was, or? No. Uh, that, this was um, a group in Philadelphia. It was like a short form. That's where you improv. grew up. That's, yeah, in Philadelphia. And then when I moved to New York, I, I got involved in another short form group. And, um, and you know, now... Now, after like studying at UCB and doing the long form and really loving that, it's easy to kind of look back at the short form and say like, oh my God, that was so silly, like rubber chickens. And, but you know what? It was still, we were still having fun and collaborating. And It's important. Like it's the same way a lot of people had a college newspaper that they wrote for now. I mean, the fact that you even had sketch and improv groups that you were part of in college, like do all of those things. Cause it, like do everything. When I yeah. started writing, I was writing for actual newspapers. <laughs> and so that even though I was getting my sea legs, I was doing so in print. And the same thing, like when that first night that we performed together, that was my first time on stage ever in my entire Do you hear life. that? And she won. I was just like, hey, look at me. And they were like, get out of the way, ma'am. We're trying to get to Katie. <laughs> Guys, I, I was New York's funniest resident for an evening. I mean, obviously, Steve Martin, Woody Allen, all these people were out of town then. Right. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld was at it. They knew that I couldn't climb up on top of the cab, so they had Katie win so she could get her picture. Um, but I, I definitely, like, think of that as, like, just do what you can to get in and get – and also get a sense of, like, if you like this first. Um, I should mention that Katina has an ongoing show at UCB called Lasers in the Jungle um, – which is a terrific show on Thursday nights at UCB East. UCB East, yeah. Um, Thursday nights at 7.30, and it's just uh, with Dan Wilbur and Sean Crespo and Anya Garrett. Um, it, it really, it's like at UCB, it's it's a stand-up show and at like UCB. And it's a $5 stand-up Go. show. It is, it's really like a good time. I can honestly say that our show has gotten to the point. It's always been a really good show. I know they, they I came on board um, with these guys when we started at, at UCB. It's just a good time. It's an hour. It's a little over guys, an hour. You we can still make comedians. it to employee of the month. Right, right. After. right. Yeah. Um, you don't need to change your outfit. No, I mean, you no. don't have to. But and I always love, like, when I get up on stage, I mean, we just have so much fun, but it's also, I, I, I always laugh. It's like, well, we did it, guys. We all showered and we came out. Like, to go out, and to be with other people and laugh is just a, a great experience. Like, we kind of take that for granted. Like, yeah. we, we have such talent in the city. Let's Why have a not moment of it? silence for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Katina, I have one last thing. I love that we, neither one of us can <laughs> even have a moment of silence. We're like, and then, uh, what else can I tell you? Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> while you guys are taking your silence, <laughs> let me talk about my journey. <laughs> okay. Um, one last very important question. Speaking of journeys, is it true that your bathroom is decorated like Trevor's? <laughs> okay, here's the big reveal. 
It used to be for many years. Um, I may or may not have had a little criticism of my strawberry shortcake bathroom. Can you just lay out the lay out the bathroom for us? Okay. Well, now it's now it's nautical. I've, I've moved on. Uh, Home Goods came to town, and they have some beautiful things. No, nautical. No, no. <laughs> but let me tell you the strawberry shortcake. <laughs> okay. So now it doesn't look like that. Um, men who are listening, <laughs> no. Um, strawberry shortcake. You walked in. First of all, I had strawberry scented candles everywhere. So the room, Katie and audience, the room smelled like strawberries. Do you understand what I'm saying? The bathroom smelled like strawberries. I had a strawberry shortcake shower curtain. I had pink rugs. There were... And this uh, was in your 20s and early 30s. Yes, ma'am, it was. <laughs> yes, ma'am, it was. No. I, you, know what ha you know how it started? When I moved to New York, I had literally boxes. I used to love strawberry shortcake when I was a kid and now. I had boxes of dolls and her telephone and the little, ha I had all the stuff and I'm like, what could I do with it? So I displayed everything in the bathroom and just made it like a little, it looked like a little dollhouse, you know? And, um, oh, it was so cute and the little pink towels and red and, you know, I mean, did I have a problem? Probably. <laughs> but, you know, it made me happy. You could not be happy when you go in there. You guys, please go to KatinaCorreo.com. I just want to thank Katina Correo for being on this. Uh, if you are in New York, you can see her perform. But you can actually see her perform nationally. You can also see her on television. Um, and you'll probably be reading her work and not even realizing it when you watch shows on Comedy Central or VH1. Um, but... I think what we get, well, I think what the takeaway from today is is keep working. Yes, it's hard, no matter how famous or unfamous you may feel. Um, and most importantly, comedians may be a little crazy. <laughs> uh, they may have strawberry shortcake bathrooms, but it's a good crazy. Hey guys, have a very good day. Thanks again. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Please come to our next live tapings. You can join the mailing list, employeeofthemonthshow.com, to find out who's coming up on the next live shows. We have so many exciting guests, from Kelly Ripa to Amy Sedaris to Paola Antonelli, um, a major curator at MoMA, to uh, Jason Biggs, Speedy Ortiz, uh, Josh Radner, so many, so many, so many people. And Ian Bassey, this amazing soul singer. Sydney Gallup, I love that porn. Um, so definitely get on the mailing list and you can subscribe, as you know, to employeeofthemonthshow.com um, and also just subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever it is you go to get your audio downloads and check out our website's videos. All of that, just go to employeeofthemonthshow.com. You can find it all there. Um, but more importantly, I hope you're finding yourself all that you I'm Katie Lazarus. Thanks. Bye. Be calm. And I'm guessing.